In just a moment, I'm going to be reading the other text. The Psalm 46 was one of our texts. The other is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Before I do, I want to carry out a promise because uh, at least two churches in our community were completely devastated by the tornado. Uh, House of Refuge out on Heritage Highway and a Community Christian Church on Ellis Boulevard. And I made a promise to them that we would be remembering them in prayer today by name, not just God bless all those people. Uh, and so I want us to bow our heads together and we uh, will be praying, of course, not only for them but for other victims and for those even here among us this morning who are struggling. Let's pray. We pray today, mighty God, that you would comfort us with a sense of your goodness. We pray that your provision would not only help those who've lost so much in terms of material possessions, but you would also fill them with hope. We pray for other regions of our world that have been devastated by the floods, and we think particularly about the deaths that have occurred overnight in Oklahoma. We remember to pray for House of Refuge Church, for Community Christian Church, and for other houses of worship that have sustained loss. Give them strength and grace in these challenging hours. And give us, mighty God, the patience and the strength and the vision as, as your people of faith to reach out and to share as we discover needs. Bless with safety those who work in recovery and restoration. We want to praise you for the unity that we sense in this community. We continue to pray for our mayor, for our governor, for all elected officials, that they will have continual wisdom and guidance in making decisions. We pray that you will protect us from storms and floods and all danger and help us to be your servant people. And this we pray in the name of the servant Jesus who calms storms and stills the waves. Amen. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Would you stand and come to attention as God's word is shared? On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea Obey him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I wasn't pastor here uh, when it happened, but those of you who have been around a while will realize that it was 32 years ago on Memorial Day Sunday that the church sanctuary burned. And that was a time when I'm confident you experienced the faithfulness of God and the sufficiency of God 
and you were able to say that God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. And then, again, I wasn't pastor here at the time, but when the 93 flood came, this entire community experienced all kinds of loss and, and disruption and disorientation. And yet you were able to say that God is faithful, God is sufficient, that God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. I was pastor here in 2003 when on April 30th I had successful prostate cancer surgery. And on the Sunday afternoon I was leaving the hospital. A tornado hit William Jewell College in Liberty, Missouri where our son and his wife were living in married housing. It was the week of their graduation. It blew the wall, the front wall out of their apartment. It blew the roof off. It destroyed both their automobiles. For a period of time, we didn't know how they were. I was in bed, couldn't go anywhere because of surgery. Janet went up by herself to help. Talk about a helpless feeling, and yet God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We found God faithful, and we found God sufficient. And then the tornado of 2019. We'll be talking a long time about where we were and what was going on in our lives and how we experienced the news of it. And we will again discover that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We will not fear, though the earth should move, though the mountains melt into the heart of the sea, God is on his throne. It's a powerful promise to hang on to. And yet, I want to I want to bracket that. And it may surprise you that a pastor on the Sunday morning after a tornado wants to, wants to issue a word of caution or a, a, a sobering word. But I, I want to remind us, because I've been through it, my family's been through it, you've been through it. I want to remind us that even when the roofs get repaired and the roads get opened, and there's a normalcy that returns to the exterior of life, there is a shadow that follows natural disaster. There is a shadow that lingers after a natural disaster, and it's the shadow of trauma. It's emotional, it's spiritual, and it's mental. And it's very real. In September of 2017, two Category 5 hurricanes hit the U.S. Virgin Islands. Over 18 months later, they are still struggling. A piece was on the news about a month ago that talked about the trauma, particularly for children. Talked about the, the, the sense of vulnerability that children li live with and they don't have words or categories to verbalize it. School teachers reported that one six-year-old boy was disoriented. Did you hear that word, disoriented? That's a word we can relate, relate to on this Sunday, isn't it? They also reported, teachers reported that children, 18 months after the, after the hurricanes, children were frustrated and angry. There was cognitive impairment. There was a sense in the children of hopelessness and despair. They were obviously finding counseling to be helpful. And it was wonderful how mental health agencies and how churches and government 
and businesses were coming together to help address the issues of the lingering trauma after natural disaster. So I want us to be ready. I want us to understand that this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. I want us to understand that it's going to take our attentiveness not just for a few days. We have our work cut out for us and we have our opportunities cut out for us as we share and invite people to see what love can do. We're going to have lots of opportunities to do that. Now, I've always loved the story of Jesus calming the storm. It always grabs me. It's always special. I've preached on it several times since I've been your pastor, but I haven't preached on it since I've actually been to the Sea of Galilee. A few years ago, we got to go to Israel with a group of pastors and uh, was privileged to be on the boat out on the Sea of Galilee, and they invited me to be the pastor who presided over the Lord's Supper service. And it was a great honor and a powerful privilege. Now, the day we were there, it was cloudy, very overcast, very gray, very cool. But they tell us that the Sea of Galilee can change very quickly because the cool air comes off of the North Mountains and it begins to mix with the warm air rising off of the water of the the sea. And when cold air and warm air mix, we know what happens because we've just lived through that, right? And these squalls, these storms come out of nowhere. And you can be out on the Sea of Galilee and everything's fine. And then, boom, a squall comes up and a storm arises. Life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Isn't that just a picture of how life is for us? One day everything's okay. And a few moments later, everything's changed. I was journaling about a month ago. I was going back over this. And I just wrote in really big, angry letters, change, change, change. It's like everything's changing. We've got to move from the sanctuary to the gym. Wednesday night schedule's changing at church because of the school changes of schedule. And deaths and divorces and people moving away and Change, change, change. And I wrote in my journal, nothing seems nailed down anymore. And boy, did that become real just a few nights ago. (laughs) Nothing's nailed down. And when I wrote that in the journal, I wrote dash Psalm 46 dash Mark 4, 35 and following. Because those are powerful reminders of the change that we live with. Now, I love Mark's statement of the obvious in this gospel account. Jesus was in the boat. That's actually in the Bible. Jesus was in the boat. He wants us to know Jesus was in the boat when the storm came. And the reason I'm stating the obvious and Mark states the obvious is because there's somebody in this gymnasium this morning who has somehow ingested the idea that once Jesus comes in your boat, the storms never come. Well, all you got to do is ask Jesus into your life and nothing will ever go wrong with your life. Well, you just get baptized and it's like a magic potion. There'll be no storms. If you start tithing, your problems will go away. No, they won't. Storms still come. Storms still come. But the difference is whether Jesus is in your boat or not. 
So the storm came, even though the disciples were followers of Jesus, they loved him very much. And the scripture says that it was swamping the boat. The water was inundating them. They were in over their heads. They were, it was beyond their abilities to cope. And they cried out. Have you ever prayed this prayer to God? Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus, that we're drowning? Haven't you said to God at some point in your life, where are you, God, when I'm hurting? Don't you care about the tornado? Don't you care about our personal struggles? I mean, those are fair questions. And, of course, we know that God does care. I was in Tennessee when the tornado hit. Um, I was mentoring a young pastor, extended family member, and stayed all night with them and uh, woke up at 5 o'clock and started looking at my phone. And I cut short my plans there and started driving home, and all I could think about was how much I love this church and how much I love this city. And then I thought, that's nothing compared to how much God loves this church and how much God loves this city. And I kept thinking about verse 5 of that 46th Psalm. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. And I kept repeating that verse as I, as I drove home. And by the way, I found out a way for a seven-hour trip to go really fast. Just let your phone light up the whole time uh, and, and rework your worship service for Sunday morning and uh, figure out what you can do to help your staff when you're so far away. The, tr- the trip went really fast. <laughs> but you know what? God does love this city. God does love this church. And God cares and hurts with us when we're in pain because the same Jesus who could sleep through the storm is the Jesus who woke up when he heard his children cry. The storm was loud, but Jesus could hear his children cry. And he woke up. And here's my favorite part. He rebukes the storm. Now, pause here and use your imagination. When Jesus was growing up as a child, his life ingested scripture. We know he knew his his Hebrew Bible, what we call our Old Testament, really well. He could just, you could just say a word to Jesus and he'd just start quoting Psalms or Isaiah. Don't you suppose that in his growing up years, Jesus learned the 46th Psalm? Don't you imagine that he prayed often that prayer, be still and know that I am God? So they wake him up. The psalm that comes to his mind is Psalm 46. And he says to the storm, hush. Zip it. Be still. Be still. And there was absolute calm. Mark says, dead calm. Amazing. 
And Mark is such a good storyteller that this story ends with three questions. Two from Jesus, one from the disciples. Jesus, two questions. Why are you afraid? And why do you have so little faith? Why are you afraid? After all I've done for you. I've said this many times from the pulpit. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. When we're afraid, we do stupid things. When we're afraid, we panic. Richard Rohr uh, likes to say that the human ego is so stubborn that it will hold on to the illusion that we're in control as long as it possibly can. And the human ego will never let go until all the props are knocked out from under it. And it realizes it's all an illusion that we only have God. Why are you afraid? And why do you, literally in the Greek, why do you have a not yet faith? Why is your faith so tiny? Just trust me. And you don't have to be afraid. And then the disciples question. Who is this guy? That's their question. Who is this guy? That even the wind and the storm obey him. Because Mark wants this passage of scripture to end with awe and mystery and wonder. He wants us to be where the disciples are and just fall down at the feet of the mighty God who loves us so perfectly. The one whom we can trust so completely. Who is this? Who is this? So the greatest truth in our lives this morning is not that a tornado came. The greatest truth in our lives this morning is that Jesus is Lord of the storm. And that he's not only Lord of the storm, he's deeply within us as well. The greatest truth in our lives this morning is not that a tornado come. It is that God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Say that out loud with me. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble.